Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. Welcome back to another episode here on the MedTech Talent Lab. I'm your host, Mitch Robbins, and I am the founder and managing director here at the Anthony Michael Group, where we help organizations across the life sciences to build best-in-class technical teams, areas like regulatory affairs, quality, engineering, et cetera. And on a regular basis, I am proud to bring you best-in-class leaders from across the industry, from across all different functional areas to discuss all things related to talent, whether that's building high-performing teams or enhancing your own career. And so today, uh, joining me is Ms. Susan Andrews. Uh, Susan is a recruitment enthusiast and candidate experience manager with over 15-plus years of full lifecycle recruiting experience across a variety of disciplines and environments including agency, corporate, and professional services firms throughout the United States. Uh, she's got relevant experience uh, as it relates to ATS integrations, whether that's UAT, remediation, end user training, and she has a variety of experience developing and implementing a best sourcing and recruitment practices and a variety of process improvement techniques, um, all while designing and facilitating training classes across different functional areas. Uh, Susan earned her bachelor's degree from the University of Texas at Austin, and she's currently one of the recruiting managers at a company called Penumbra. Uh, if you're not familiar with Penumbra, it is a global medical device organization headquartered in Alameda, California, that designs, develops, manufactures, and markets novel products that address challenging medical conditions in markets with significant unmet need in both the neuro and vascular space. So without further ado, Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mitch. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm really glad that you joined us today, and I think it's an awesome topic we're going to be talking about, and that is really, um, I guess it's it's kind of multifaceted. Sourcing in 2021, here we are already almost halfway through the year. So many things have changed since uh, this time last year. Uh, we're going to talk about your role you know, in recruiting and um, just the amount of volume that you have to deal with. So many different things about being a recruiter and how a recruiter interacts not only with the candidate marketplace, but internally, obviously, with your hiring manager counterparts. But I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball uh, okay. real quick. I, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. How did you get into recruiting in general? Wow, that, you are going to date me. Um, I got into recruiting. It was a downturn in the market. And I had we actually worked for a company. I was in finance at the time. And we were, got to, we were ready to hire some people. And I went to an I went to an event, a networking event. And I started talking to people there and I realized that the recruiters that were there, I'm sure some of them are great, but most of them were talking to other recruiters as opposed to the candidates that were or more potential candidates that were there. And I asked, I found one or two recruiters there and I talked to them about you know, how they got into recruiting and um, I learned a little bit from them and I did some research on it. And at that time I moved from New York to Chicago. When I got to Chicago, I had made my list of places I wanted to interview, and I decided to target some of the recruiting firms. And I did, and I picked an agency, and I basically stayed on top of them until they made me an offer. So there we are. <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. 
I grew, I actually grew up in a suburb of Chicago. How long did you live in Chicago? About uh, two and a half, three years. Okay. Not a long time. Which suburb were you in? I grew up in a very uh, northern part of uh, Illinois, about an hour north of Chicago. Okay. Where were you? Um, right in the city. Oh, were you? Okay. I started in the West Loop, and then I was right at State and Elm. So. Oh yeah, it's pretty much down the street from where my brother used to live. That's awesome. Okay. Small world. So let's fast forward. I mean, like I said in the introduction, you've been doing this for 15 plus years. You've seen a variety of different uh, um, trials and tribulations, different circumstances when it comes to recruiting both uh, company-driven markets, candidate-driven markets. It's clear to say that we're obviously in a very candidate-driven market. I, I want to ask. I want to ask you this. You know, you constantly, as a fellow recruiter, have a really full Recload, requisition, meaning you've got multiple positions, multiple hiring managers <laughs> that, to help. Uh, how do you stay organized? Uh, time management. Uh, <laughs> that is everyone's favorite topic. And over the years, I, I've tried, tried a number of tools. I attended trainings, some of my own, some podcasts, some in-person, and I've learned throughout that, that I am not going to utilize, I'm not going to have a third party software or a tool or something else that I have to log into or that I have to track separately. So for me, I, I sync my personal, my work email, and I use an outlet calendar and I put everything on it. And that is, Mm. I block out time each day for external sourcing. I'm every day for a bit of time for returning messages and a time for planning the next day. And the rest is your typical meetings, but I put everything I mean, down to working out, if I'm going to work out during the day, I put everything on my calendar so that I Mm -hmm. have a good idea of what my picture looks like. And besides that, I think the easiest thing, the other thing I do is I, I talk to the people I support. So I let them know how I typically work and, you know, make sure my time will work with their, any meetings will fit in with their schedule, the way I have mine set. And I've, I set that expectation, right. It works out for me really well. It's harder to reset later, but taken a while to figure out what that process would look like. You know, that's interesting because I have tried many, many times to be structured and I just have always, in an ideal world, wanted to be more structured than I really am. Still figured out a way to be productive, be successful, but nowhere near as productive and successful as if it was that structured. Do you truly (laughs) adhere to your calendar? Because I've had many, many things on my outlook where the alarm comes up and I'm doing something else and I just keep doing what I need to do. And before you know it, it's like, why is it on my outlook calendar to begin with? Well, and I'm not going to tell you, it doesn't always, I mean, there are days, but other things I'm like, wow, I don't even remember who this person is now because I'll have something personal on there and I'll realize I missed an appointment. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, no, I stop. And in fact, I start my calls with, I've got a hard stop at this time because I have to stay, it keeps me focused. Otherwise I'll get just as distracted um, or I'll mm-hmm. go off on another tangent and answer a phone call or you know, do anything else. So yep. it's interesting though, because it does, you do feel like you've been running a race by the end of a lot of days that way. Do you block time to answer your email or do you answer email throughout the day? Well, so I've tried that both ways. I used to be a, I want to be an inbox zero person, but I am not. Mm-hmm. I can't, there's so many messages and so many emails. I get nothing, um, nothing externally, no ads or anything like that in, in the office because mm-hmm. if I don't have to read it, I don't want to read it. If I can mm-hmm. delete it, I will delete it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really move them all to folders. I mean, some things I will, of course, my notes I move and anything is important, but otherwise I delete as much as I can. And 
I try to do that in the morning and I always do it. I always do it at night, Mm -hmm. but otherwise it's kind of hit or miss. I tell anyone to IM me, if you need a response now, call me or IM me and I'll get back to you. Yeah. So in essence, you know, you hear this a lot is being selfish with your time and really being strict on what are my time chunks and blocking time for certain activities. Absolutely. It is. And for me, I am the one that suffers when I don't do it because I'm I'm like, oh, well, I can go to the gym tomorrow or it's always something like that. Or I'll just you know stay here. So I've learned that I get real cranky if I don't have some kind of break. (laughs) That's awesome. You know, I know hiring managers can have a lot of expectations on their internal recruiting team. And because sure. they've got, you know, they've got the, the urgent and critical priorities. They're usually the one who feel the most pain as far as why they need to hire the position that they're hiring for. But then they look to their internal recruiting team, say, where's our candidates? Where's our candidates? What, what's going on? What's going on? What is one thing that you think hire, uh, hiring managers misunderstand about an internals, uh, internal recruiter's role uh, and responsibilities? One thing, maybe one category, possibly. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, it's overall the scope of our role. And I know it varies from company to company, but I mean, how many, and I'm, some of this is by design. I know we're not, no one wants to hear, oh, I'm busy or anything else like that. But the number of positions or requisitions you have and what tools you have at your disposal, uh, even the hiring managers may have come from a larger company or a different company that had access to different things. Um, they're not aware you do or don't, aren't able to do. Um, and what internal information is available to us? I think those are all kind of a, they're all fit into the same category of the scope. Um, HR is not the same thing as recruiting, as you know. And mm-hmm. in a lot of companies, they're completely separate. So even when I can see internal information, whether it's promotions or anything at all, it doesn't mean that I can access it immediately or I can see another group. Nor do they, and part of that's by design also, of course, but there's often someone else you go to to get what you need for peer comp or things along those lines. So mm. it's not instant. And I think sometimes they're expecting an instant, um, an instant result, any kind of question. So that's, that's kind of go together. So as far as if it's a company that's got HR and, and a recruiting separate, sometimes they would come to recruiting for things that it's actually, they should be going to HR for thinking that it's all in one? Is that what you're saying? Well, thinking it's all in one, yes. And all sometimes, for, well, for instance, um, I've been asked before, well, tell me what someone's, this, per, this person's compensation is. Now, what they really mean is we're looking at hiring someone in a similar role and I'd like to find out what the range or what peer comp is going to look like, mm. of course. But, and so I'm, I would be surprised because I don't know who that person is and nor would I be able to hand someone that information if I did. Yeah. Yep. But they're, you know, they just don't realize how that needs to be phrased. They just know that if they asked that of someone in HR, they would be told no. And they get the same answer from me. But I've tried to explain what I can do for them is, you know, I can provide this, which will compare, you know, the candidate we're looking at, the experience with the people we have and make a sense on where compensation might be. Kind of like going to mom, not liking the answer. And so instead, I'll go to dad. Right. Right. Yeah. Did you ask mom yet? No. Yeah. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about, tell us, tell us, you know, over the years, some of the gripes that you've had from hiring managers, things that they're frustrated with or things that they, um, you know, complained to, to recruiting about. 
Well, they complain. Um, well, it can be, it depends on the positions. If you have similar groups or a number of a large team of any sort, <laughs> I want to know what, what my counterpart is paying their people, or I want to know how come they're hiring more people than I can hire. Mm. Um, well, when are we going? It depends if you have a, if you hire to a plan, which I'm used to doing, mm -hmm. though I've worked in startups where it's a little more free for all than that, mm -hmm. but it's, you know, how come she's your favorite is basically um, what you're getting, what you're getting at. Everyone just wants to make sure they have the same opportunities that anyone else does. Mm. As far what as the amount you? of energy, the amount of energy and time that a recruiter spends on their roles. Definitely you're the energy and time, but just, then just yeah. the availability. Because, you know, if you have headcount and you're hiring against a plan um, and you have a transfer, that may count against your headcount, even though it's already someone internally, but it could go against you, yet it, it lets someone else hire. So that can be seen as a positive or a negative, depending on how you're looking at it. So it's a matter mm -hmm. of presenting it, presenting it in the right light, I would say, yeah. in that yeah. case. Yeah. No, I mean, you ask me, I, I usually hear it's taking too long or we're not seeing any qualified applicants that we, you know, feel like we can interview or the people that we have interviewed, you know, we can't pay them. We're losing them to, to compensation from a competitor that is paying more. Those are the things right. that uh, come up often. That will come up. That comes up soon. I think it depends how much experience your managers have at that point with hiring, because there's a huge, they understand that how much well they understand that both the process and their market makes a huge difference. So I tell you what, we use the analogy of a baseball general manager. Okay. If, if a general manager was not heavily involved in the recruitment and, and putting a team of top performers onto the field, how are they ever going to be a championship team if he just let it, somebody else deal with it? And so I didn't say that very eloquently, but the point is, is that the hiring manager should be sometimes I think has a tendency to delegate and just, you know, think that human resources and maybe and recruiting and perhaps a third party recruitment, they'll just get us resumes and I'll look at them and I'll talk to them from there not necessarily realizing, well, what's the whole front end and how can I be more involved and actually help perpetuate our employer value proposition? And why would somebody want to work on my team when it's right. such a candidate-driven market and all job descriptions, 99% of them look the exact same? How can the hiring manager be an advocate for his or herself, especially when we've got so many platforms that I'm going to talk to you about in a minute on social media where you can actually talk about the exciting things happening and the exciting oh, sure. things a manager has to offer? No, and there definitely should be. I think that you're right. That does, it's akin to a business analyst in IT, someone that can understand what the business is looking for and also explain how the process works in recruiting and how yeah. different things impact it. <laughs> they, yep. they, they're, you're selling yourself as much as the candidate's selling themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Talk about the, let's talk about social media. What platforms are you using these days uh, to, to um, I guess, to, well, two questions. What recruiting, sure. what social media platforms are you using when it comes to sourcing and recruiting? And then what's your thoughts on using those same platforms as it relates to, you know, branding, talent branding? Oh, well, you have to do both. I think, I mean, personally, I use LinkedIn. I was an early adapter a number of years ago mm -hmm. uh, with LinkedIn. I've used it pretty extensively. I use a lot of other sites depending on what what I'm recruiting for. I spent a number of years in tax um, and I created, recruited nationally. So that, and there would be specific ones that were tax related or industry site specific. But 
now, and well, now I still use LinkedIn. I find that with marketing or with sales, you can use sites like Indeed, which I think now may be LinkedIn as well. Um, you know, Dice, when it was technology, I used to use that also. I've tried Facebook. I use Twitter and Instagram at times, but I don't, those are mostly for branding. I don't use them. I mean, I don't count talk, on those for talk recruiting. Talk more about that, would you, as far as what you're using Twitter and Instagram for these days? Now, my current role, we're, role, we're just now adapting to any social media, to any kind yeah. of brand. In fact, we have a new, we have several new people in that department. We mm-hmm. have a new department for branding. Um, for talent I branding? Both, talent and both. company. And company, okay. So I think, and I think they're both important for talent. On the talent side, I would say being consistent across any social media. And I mean, your handle that you're using which as cute as it may be on Facebook, may not be make sense to have throughout, you know, throughout your entire profile. So I use my entire name and it's, it's easy. It's a little boring, but you know, it's easy to find if you want to. Um, and that's help. That's helpful. Same thing with your company. I think you need to have the same type of messaging. I know certain sites, Glassdoor is for feedback and employer employees feedback a lot of times, but mm-hmm. you still want to see the same you see something consistent, the same imaging that's, that builds recognition. And that's the point where we are now is building. We're just now really going after consumers and saying, Hey, look who we, this is who we are. So mm-hmm. it's kind of exciting, you, but it helps, yeah, because, it helps with candidates too. Absolutely. And I feel like it's a must in this right. day. And I really feel like those who don't take talent branding seriously, not just reaching out about opportunities, but truly what is it like to work at XYZ company? Why should we consider working at What's the experiences that people are having as they're working there? You know what I mean? And this whole idea of talent branding is, it's huge. Um, Well, and what can you do? That's the other thing too, is a lot of people now are interested in your social and and what are you doing for, what are you giving back? How are you giving back? What are you, Mm. what kind of awareness does the community have about you? What can I are you, do you volunteer? Do you support? I like to volunteer at X organization. Do you support that? Um, those are all things that need to be out there because they make a big difference. For sure. Hey, I'm curious when you, when it comes to LinkedIn, are you getting as much traction or not as much traction between, you know, direct outreach through perhaps an email message versus actually creating a post about, uh, what you're trying to recruit for? So that's interesting. And those are interesting stats too, because I, I find some, let me rephrase this. I've tried it both ways with posts that are on LinkedIn, as well as just putting on my own personal page, um, what I'm hiring for. Mm-hmm. I've also, I prefer having hiring managers post and have their team share information because I find that someone's in that role, you're going to have a little bit more you feel a little more connected to it if you're doing something similar, you know, um, if they're in your network. Now, we've had a good success doing that. I think it's pretty consistent. I don't know that the stats you get back when you have a posting, I don't necessarily trust the stats that I receive at the end of it mm-hmm. with what those views. And I say that only because it will say applicants that are nowhere close to what I can see. Yes. But it's still, it doesn't, it, the point is it's still a visual at the time. Someone's seeing it is, they're seeing the opportunity. They're seeing something about the company. And that's, you know, that's a lot of my goal. The more specific positions do not get much traffic. So I do a lot of external sourcing. Okay. So, Off basically through various channels. Through LinkedIn, and tools. Is, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just calling more and direct outreach. You're saying direct outreach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, I wanted to clarify what I was saying. So when I talk about 
posting. I mean, on your page, hey, check out this opportunity. Panama's hiring for this, blah, 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 blah. Okay. People engage with the post and, you know, perhaps comment or share it. Not a ton you, that way. Not, not a ton, a ton Not way. a ton on its own. Okay. I mean, there's some, but it's more but there's so not a the lot recognition. Of engaging. Right. Yeah. But more so the consistency and, hey, you know, obviously things are going on at Penumbra. They're hiring. It could be Penumbra or any company for that matter. The point is that what you're saying is it's more so helping with recognition by putting it on your personal Correct. versus actual direct results of candidates coming through that. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. That makes sense. Um, what's your, I, you know, I've asked this to a couple folks uh, in similar roles to you. What's your, thought on the value of, of true job postings, whether it's on, you mentioned a variety of them and I, you know, I'm not here sure. to sponsor any of them, but whether it's indeed career builder, monster, you know, the general job boards, what's your philosophy on the value of job postings in today's day and age? Well, that's interesting because it's certainly changed a lot, hasn't it? Um, mm -hmm. Where you see things, of course, we have things posted on our company website. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't have known the company if I didn't have someone recruit me from it for it. I wouldn't have known the company, you know, here they're not, a, they're not a Texas based company. And mm -hmm. so that alone wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been enough. But at the same time, the pages that they have, I think they're, you need to have them. You have to have them just so people know you're growing when they see the opportunities. No one posts 40 positions in marketing and thinks that they're, that's nothing but growth. And there's no way else. There's, I don't think you could think anything else besides that, to have that number of positions open. Mm -hmm. But I think it says a lot when you can look it up. I, who is the company that's hiring that many people in one location? That might be of interest to you. At the very mm -hmm. least, you might recognize it when you see the logo you know, that often. So I think yep. you need to have them. And I think for certain positions, it drives a ton. For campus recruiting, it drives a ton of opportunities, yep. a ton of you know, potential applicants there. Yeah. You know, and I think that for lower level positions or entry level positions, I think it's got a ton of value. I think as you go up the ladder or it's more, or it's more um, technically oriented or mm -hmm. it's a leadership role, I think the value becomes more so the branding element. Like I you were agree. Saying. But I would tell you that this is one of the, my most passionate topics and the people who listen to this podcast are probably getting annoyed with me because I bring it up any chance I can, is that postings, so many organizations miss such a huge opportunity with their job posting. 99 We're just now of them, working on redoing ours. Yeah, 99% of them are, you know, must live 30, must be able to lift 30 pounds. Here's the requirements. Here's the responsibilities. Please apply. Right. Versus what, who are we? What's in it for somebody who's doing this job at our direct competitor? Why would they stop dead in their tracks and at least right. entertain an exploratory conversation with us? I mean, I agree. it's such valuable real estate and, and it's a pretty penny to have postings out there on different sites. So I agree. And I think people, you know, I think people would much rather see that. And you can always have a link, the technical posting somewhere else. Yes. You, know, you could have a shortened version on any social site, something you could look at on your phone, something that, you know, you can see without scrolling because I don't care. You know, if you're in that role already, you know, that you're going certain things are given. You're going to have to be able to use various programs or you're going to interact with certain groups. Yep. But I agree with what, what can you get? Why would you come over here? What's different? Why is our environment better than, or might be better than where you are? So. And one day somebody who's trained in marketing copy should actually be on staff in recruiting to design copy that's meant to reach somebody with specific pain points as to why somebody would want to know more. You know, because well, I agree. That's what you know. And consulting has done that for years. I mean, granted, it's internally to a client, but they they do the marketing piece that way. And it took a while for me to 
realize how similar that was to what we do, mm-hmm. except mm-hmm. ours are very uniform. But the idea being that's branding, whereas I think the logo should be able to be enough branding if it's out there enough. Mm-hmm. I think the posting itself, I don't need to see the exact same information yep. about a hundred postings. Well, and I always say, look, a marketing manager at one company has fairly similar responsibilities as a marketing manager at another. The dynamics and the substance is a little bit different, but the structure is the same. So most people who are in marketing know what the responsibility is going to be, but it's more so, okay, what about this specific situation is compelling? We have five people. There's no senior manager. There's only a VP. So maybe that's something you want to consider. There's a lot of room for growth. Exactly. Exactly. So. I'm going to bring up a uh, a topic that is definitely a controversial one, and that is oh. um, candidates who just are so tired of being ghosted. It could be third-party recruiters. It could be internal HR and talent acquisition, but it's either sure. when they apply and they hear nothing or that they did hear her back, they had their first interview, they heard nothing. Now, I want to stick up for folks like yourself because we talked at the beginning it's not, I know a lot of times intentions are good and sure. people just have so much on their plates, but what do you do? And, so, and what have you done over the years to make it, um, you know, at the forefront of level of importance for you to get back to people? And what do you have, what's your thoughts for other colleagues across the industry who are listening to you right now, who are in the back of their mind are kind of squirming because they realize they've done this and they don't mean to, and want to try to sure. figure out how to balance their workload, but still get back to people accordingly. You know, I think one of the biggest eye-openers for me, and probably for anyone if you did this, was to go through an interview. I mean, if you interviewed somewhere where you're, I remember a few years back going and interviewing, and I was a recruiter. I know I'm talking to a fellow recruiter, and I'm pretty straightforward with with my style of communication and um, what would be helpful for me. And, you know, and so you kind of set some terms of expectations as what you're going to hear back or what points you'll hear back. And then if you don't hear anything back, it's kind of a, wow, am I waiting to hear back? Is that, did that make a negative impression? Is it, they hire someone else? And it, it kind of, it bothers, it's really bothersome. It's we're as bad in, in recruiting as it is in dating. I mean, just to. Almost the same. It's, that's a fantastic analogy, actually. Right. Yeah. So I think, and that really it got to me. and. I, so I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better than that. I mean, I'm going to do a better job. In re- I'm going to make a point. And I think I generally do. But here recently, I had someone and I just sent, we hired someone and I dispositioned my candidates. And if I've talked to anybody, I try to make it, I, I will always, I don't send a, I'll send a form letter, but I also customize it. And I re- I'll, you know, refer to a conversation we had and let them know if they weren't, that we extended an offer. And someone wrote back and, and just said, well, so I do that. But then in one case, I just sent the form letter. At the same time, I made sure everyone was dispositioned. And I heard back the next day, not from the people that I had interviewed and that I was personalized, but someone else who just said, I want to thank you. Thank you for letting me know because I've applied to six different companies in this industry and not one of them has said anything. Not I received your information, not I didn't, re- we hired someone. So I really appreciate that. And I know you're busy, but it means a lot to me. And I thought, you know, right then at our next meeting, I told our team, we need to make sure we are sending, we're sending something, any kind of update is better than none um, to everyone. And I think we all made a point of doing that, you know, trying harder again, which I know you have to reset expectations internally for yourself also, but making sure everyone hears from you. And that's key to 
key to building your street reputation as well as your personal brand. What do you say to people who who say that's all well and good in theory, but when you've got 100 people that you need to get back to to say, hey, you didn't make the cut, and I've got 100 other people that I've got a screen, how am I supposed to do this? You know what? It's always going to be the case, and it depends. Sometimes your ATS has um, the capabilities of doing it. Most of the time, you can. You can send a form or you can select people in a group. It's a pain. You've got to schedule time and do it, and it's one of those things I don't care for doing it either. Um, if you're lucky enough to have an assistant or to have, you know, an admin that can help, great. But it just, yeah. it's a necessary evil. It's something you have to do and you'll feel better about it when you know you've gotten back to people. It's the relief to have all of that taken care of and addressed. And I wouldn't like being ignored either. So, yeah. You know what? You said two things. I think that people, you know, most people are, most people are good hearted. They just are. And I think you're right. It does eat at you a little bit, even subconsciously. If you knew you should have done something, whether it's personal or professional, if there's things like you brought it up earlier, Hey, I knew I should have worked out today and I didn't do it. And now I feel you know bad about it versus blocking right. the time, being steadfast and just getting it done. And so I think there's a lot to be said for that, that just block the time, get the tasks that the necessary evils, so to speak, out of the right. way. But then I also think that you said something about your personal experience going through an interview process or the dating you know, game where, hey, do they like me? Do they not? Am I going to hear back? Um, and I think it's very similar to physicians. You know, Sometimes physicians might not like hearing this, but I do believe they become numb to the day-to-day of seeing patients. And when somebody's got you know, a se- severe burn or whatever, and it's a burn unit, and they're used to seeing burns, but the person's never had a burn, way different experience, right? So it's 100%. the exact same thing here where a recruiter constantly, you know, has to tell people no, tell people no, or doesn't, you know, but that person is waiting to, about their own livelihood. What is, what is the feedback? So I think it's really, truly right. important. Well, I think it is. And I'm, I've been lucky enough to have a, worked in a time where we had surveys that sent, were sent out and people could write, give feedback. And so I, I did fairly, I always, I've worked hard at the candidate experience is a big deal to me. I think. You know, everyone, at the very least, again, you don't have to be offered a job, but you want to be felt like you were seen the entire time. And so that's that's kind of my goal with anyone, to make sure it's a positive experience no matter what. Um, but well, I guess I'll, I'll leave that there. I think that's the biggest. I was going to say it's PR for the company one way or the other. Yeah. It's PR for the right, company one way and, or the other. And that's the last thing you want to see. I mean, I didn't want to bring it, be negative about it, but you don't want to read feedback like that. Think about what yeah. you'd want. What would you like to hear if you had could go back and talk to candidates you hired or didn't? Would you want to hear? Yeah, I, would, I told someone not to interview there because they won't bother getting back to you. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, hey, I don't remember who it was, but some recruiter, at least she got back to me every time. I mean, that's yeah. better than the alternative. I have a friend in this business, actually, who no matter how busy he is, and he is tremendously busy, no matter what. I hear from that guy like clockwork. If I email him right. or if I call him, I know for a fact within an hour, I'm hearing back one way or the other. Text messages, That's email. awesome. I mean, so, and but you remember these things and you start right. to almost have a brand of somebody in your mind of, oh, that's the guy that's that what no matter want. what gets back to me. Exactly. And that's that's how when you if you ever leave or make a decision or start your own company, that's who you, you know, that's who's going to remember and say, oh, you know what? I'm going to give that new company a chance. Yeah. Exactly. So, Susan, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate you being here. And I want to wrap up with one final question. Sure. 
over all these years that you've had the opportunity mm-hmm. to interact with d- d- candidates from different functions, different types of industries, what's one of the most common mistakes you see candidates making? You mean besides like errors on a resume just in just after interviewing or? It could be through in the interview process. It could be how they approach the company, their application. You choose. What's one of the most common well, mistakes I would say- over the years? Over the, well, over the years, it would have been, I would have said thank you know, for thanking someone for their time. And I, I don't, it doesn't have to be a letter. In fact, if it was a letter, I think, I don't even know if anyone would get an actual letter, but an email, a quick email to the hiring managers. I realize most people don't get business cards, but whomever set that up for you will certainly give them to, you know, give you an email address. So it doesn't have to be long, but just, hey, I appreciate the informational interview or taking time to hear about my background, whatever your interaction was. That's huge. Wow. And nowadays it's becoming um, also, be- <laughs> it's becoming a little more common to accept an offer with someone else and just not show up for an interview with another employer. And I didn't realize that happened. I've never had it happen until recently. And that's eventually going to come back and it could bite you down the line because people will remember <laughs> that you just didn't show up. You know, I want to elongate the conversation just a couple more minutes about this. So you, you're saying you've had experiences recently where somebody's taken a job and just completely did not show up for the interview. Completely. And other. I've never had that wow. happen before. And so and I actually, I, I tracked him one, one person down and he said, oh, yeah, I, I didn't show up. I'm like, I'm, no, I'm aware you didn't show up. <laughs> but he said, well, that's because I took another job. That was okay. I said, well, congratulations, but... You could have called, right? And just said, hey, I'm not going to show up. It's like, oh, I thought about it. And that was it. <laughs> so. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm starting to see some more arrogance uh, in the marketplace as well on behalf of candidates. And I think candidates are recognizing is, they're in the driver's seat. But there's a difference between, right. you know, what's going on in the market from a pe- professional standpoint and just downright unprofessionalism. And it's just well, such a small just, world. It is a small but, world. No, no, that was, I was, I agree with you. It is a small world and you want to leave the right impression the same way we want to give the candidates the right experience. Yeah, that's really actually a great way to, to, uh, to wrap up is the inverse. Is just as a, a company wants to put out the right impression time and again, I think every individual as a professional has their own brand and the, the actions that you take and the things that you say all reflects the brand that you're putting out to the marketplace in a good time or a bad time, whatever, it should be consistent. So you have to think to yourself, what is the message you want to put out there on behalf of your own professional brand? For sure. Absolutely. Right. And so I think that's, that's great. This has been fun. Thank you. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Have a good afternoon. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.